Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Friday, May 20th, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, a new high-end Snapdragon chip. The Apple AR VR headset has been demoed, but only nine people got to see it in action. A Y Combinator-backed startup is facing lawsuits related to the whole UST blow-up. The feds will no longer go after good-faith white-hat hackers. And, of course, the weekend long-read suggestions. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Qualcomm has unveiled the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, saying it will offer 10% faster CPU performance, 10% faster GPU clocks, and have up to 30% better power efficiency for your smartphone. Quoting The Verge, Qualcomm's Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 set the stage for the biggest Android smartphones of 2022, including Samsung's flagship Galaxy, but it's about to be surpassed by a better Plus version, That'll no doubt appear in Buy It for the Bragging Rights Gaming Phones and Luxury Handsets. It's called the Snapdragon 8 Plus Gen 1, which just rolls off the tongue, and Qualcomm says it'll offer 10% faster CPU performance, 10% faster GPU clocks, and get this, use 15% less power for nearly one hour of extra gameplay, or say 50 minutes of social media browsing. Technically, Qualcomm says it's achieved quote, up to 30% better power efficiency from both the CPU and GPU, and 20% better AI performance per watt, but that doesn't necessarily all transfer into more battery life. Some of it is about performance, too. Qualcomm is particularly touting better sustained performance from the new chip, too, theoretically maintaining its clock speed for longer as it heats up while gaming or tapping into 5G. Of course, that all depends on how phone manufacturers decide to cool the chip. The company's not breaking down where the extra performance and efficiencies are coming from, but you can see from some of the chip's other features in the slide above, even though many of them, like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, 10 Gbps of theoretical 5G, and 8K HDR video capture, haven't changed from the original Snapdragon 8 Gen 1. Qualcomm says it'll live alongside that older chip, so you can probably expect a price premium, end quote. Mark Gurman says Apple executives previewed their upcoming mixed reality headset to the company's board last week. Apple also has apparently ramped up reality OS development in recent weeks. Quote, Apple executives previewed its upcoming mixed reality headset to the company's board last week, indicating that development of the device has reached an advanced stage, according to people with knowledge of the matter. The company's board, made up of eight independent directors and Apple chief executive officer Tim Cook, convenes at least four times a year. A version of the device was demonstrated to the directors during the latest gathering, said the people who asked not to be identified because the meeting was private. In recent weeks, Apple has also ramped up development of ROS, short for Reality Operating System, the software that will run on the headset, according to other people familiar with the work. That progress, coupled with the board presentation, suggests that the product's debut could potentially come within the next several months. The headset, which combines elements of virtual and augmented reality, is Apple's next big bet. It represents the company's first major new product category since the Apple Watch in 2015, and would vault the tech giant into a still-nascent industry, one currently dominated by Facebook owner Meta Platforms. Apple is seeking new ways to expand its devices business, which makes up about 80% of annual sales. Apple has aimed to unveil the headset as early as the end of this year or sometime next year with a consumer release plan for 2023. It targeted an introduction at the Worldwide Developers Conference this June, but challenges related to content and overheating have led to potential delays, Bloomberg has reported, end quote. Y Combinator-backed DeFi startup StableGains 
is facing a lawsuit after losing $44 million worth of user funds by investing them in UST after earlier claiming it was investing in USDC. Quoting Crypto Briefing, StableGains, a yield generation app that promised users 15% APY on USD, is being threatened with legal action after losing over $44 million of its depositors' funds. Class action law firm Erickson Kramer Osborne sent a letter to StableGains on May 14th demanding records of customers' accounts, the firm's marketing and advertising materials, and communications records regarding the UST stablecoin. StableGains was part of Y Combinator's Winter 22 batch and had received over $3 million in funding from several venture capital firms, including Snow Ventures, Moonfire, and Goldwater Capital. The StableGains founders had graduated from top London universities and previously worked at reputable companies in executive positions. Despite its esteemed backing, there were also signs that StableGains wasn't all it was cracked up to be. The company marketed itself as a, quote, simple and safe way for its users to benefit from, quote, advances in financial technology, end quote. Documentation on the StableGains website assured users that the value of their deposited assets would remain stable, quote, regardless if the crypto markets are soaring or crashing, end quote. In reality, StableGains took customers' U.S. dollar deposits, converted them to UST, and deposited them into Anchor Protocol. Anchor, a Terra-based lending and borrowing DeFi platform, guaranteed 18% APY on UST deposits before the algorithmic stablecoin lost its peg and crashed the Terra ecosystem. StableGains skimmed 3% off of Anchor's yields for its trouble while returning the remaining 15% to customers, end quote. Since deleted documentation on the StableGains website also painted a misleading picture to customers about how the company was using customers' funds to generate yield. An article covering the risks of crypto stablecoins and how StableGains mitigates them claimed that the firm mainly used USDC to generate yields, with smaller allocations to UST and DAI to diversify its holdings. However, in an update on the UST DPEG situation posted to the StableGains website on May 17th, the firm admitted to holding all of its users' funds in UST, end quote. Today in the tech slowdown, sources are telling the information that Coinbase is pausing new projects, freezing hiring, cutting costs, and giving staff more stock grants after its stock fell more than 75% over the last six months. Quote, Coinbase, which went public via a direct listing in 2021, had been generating hefty profits before the latest slump in crypto prices. It also had been growing its workforce rapidly from roughly 1,250 people to 3,730 people in 2021, and originally had been looking to triple headcount this year to focus on Web3 and non-fungible token projects, as well as international expansion. It hired at least 1,200 more employees so far this year. According to its website, the hiring spree significantly boosted operating costs, and the company said it is trying to limit losses in adjusted earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization to around $500 million for the year. That type of metric usually leaves out costs such as stock compensation. A Coinbase spokesperson declined to comment, end quote. And today in Elon, Insider, nay, Business Insider, is reporting that SpaceX paid $250,000 to settle a flight attendant's allegation that Elon Musk exposed himself and offered a horse in exchange for an erotic massage back in 2016. Quote, 
The incident, which took place in 2016, is alleged in a declaration signed by a friend of the attendant and prepared in support of her claim. The details in this story are drawn from the declaration as well as other documents, including email correspondence and other records shared with Insider by the friend. According to the declaration, the attendant confided to the friend that after taking the flight attendant job, she was encouraged to get licensed as a masseuse so that she could give Musk massages. It was during one such massage in a private cabin on Musk's Gulfstream G650ER, she told the friend that Musk propositioned her. After Insider contacted Musk for comment, he emailed to ask for more time to respond and said there is, quote, a lot more to this story. If I were inclined to engage in sexual harassment, this is unlikely to be the first time in my entire 30-year career that it comes to light, he wrote, calling the story a, quote, politically motivated hit piece, end quote. Indeed, you might have seen that around noon on Wednesday, May 18th, Elon tweeted cryptically, quote, political attacks on me will escalate dramatically in coming months, end quote. John Cook, investigations editor at Insider Later, tweeted that, quote, for those interested, we reached out to principals for comment regarding this story at around 9 a.m. Eastern yesterday, Wednesday, May 18th, end quote. Anywho, sources say that at an all-hands meeting, Twitter's top lawyer, Vijaya Gadi, said there is, quote, no such thing as a deal being on hold, and execs said that Musk's deal is moving forward, quote, Executives addressed a number of questions about the transaction, including whether Twitter would try and legally force Musk to buy the company based on his agreement. Gaddy assured employees that Musk must, quote, do everything he can, end quote, to make sure he gets his financing in order, and that it's possible Twitter could try and, quote, enforce the terms of the deal, quote, if we ever needed to do that in a court, end quote. She added that getting to that step would be, quote, pretty rare, end quote. Let's be real for a minute. Most guys would wear a t-shirt every day of their lives if they could. The problem is that most t-shirts are not acceptable to wear at work or out on a hot date night. But today's sponsor, Cuts, has finally changed that. Cuts t-shirts are such high-quality, wrinkle-free, and so buttery soft that you can look like you're dressing up even when you're dressing down. Yeah, you heard that. Wrinkle-free. You never have to substitute comfort for fashion ever again. If you see me in a t-shirt, it's likely one from Cuts. I'm also a huge fan of their AO5 pocket pants, the right sort of step up from jeans without going all the way into dress pants, like literally my ideal Venn diagram of professional looking but comfortable feeling. When you touch something from Cuts, you can immediately feel the quality. Their proprietary fabric blends are ridiculously soft and breathable, they don't wrinkle, and they look way more expensive than they actually are. For a limited time, our listeners get 20% off your entire order when you use code RIDE at checkout. That's 20% off your order at CutsClothing.com with promo code RIDE. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Experience the perfect blend of style and comfort with Cuts Clothing. CutsClothing.com, promo code RIDE for 20% off. Whenever I need to do financial research for this show, for instance, during tech earnings season, when I have to analyze how various companies' stocks have been performing, I only ever turn to our sponsor today, Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. 
They are the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. In a welcome policy shift, the U.S. Department of Justice says it plans to stop prosecuting good-faith security research that would have in the past violated the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act, quoting Motherboard. The move is significant in that the CFAA has often posed a threat to security researchers who may probe or hack systems in an effort to identify vulnerabilities so they can be fixed. The revision of the policy means that such research should not face charges. For decades, experts have criticized the broad nature of the CFAA. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, an activist organization, previously said that, quote, security research is important to keep all computer users safe. If we do not know about security vulnerabilities, we cannot fix them, and we cannot make better computer systems in the future. The CFAA should protect white hat hackers and give them incentives to continue their important work, end quote. Time for the weekend long read suggestions. First up, from the Of Course They Are file. The Wall Street Journal looks at how cyber insurance rates have surged after a year of huge hacks. Quote, Direct written premiums collected by the largest U.S. insurance carriers in 2021 swelled by over 92% year-over-year, according to information submitted to the National Association of Insurance Commissioners in Industry Watchdog and compiled by ratings firms. Analysts say that the increase primarily reflects higher rates rather than insurers significantly expanding the amount of money they are willing to cover. The amount of rate that is being generated in this market is quite astonishing just in terms of the percentages that are out there, said Tim Zawaki, principal research analyst at S&P Global Market Intelligence Business, end quote. Slate has an interesting think piece up. It points out that as Uber and Lyft pair back in order to attempt to reach profitability, The decade or so of cheap on-demand ride-hailing with fares subsidized by mountains of VC cash is likely over. But considering Uber alone has burned more than $30 billion in its short life, another way to look at this is that a huge experiment on the urban space, on public transit, has been run over the last 15 years that is now coming to an end. How has it changed our cities, and what would things look like if none of this had happened? Quote, Think of it as a city transportation parallel to what economists are calling the end of the era of free money as interest rates finally rise. It's the end of a decade in which we changed our systems, our habits, even our architecture around the assumption that we could be driven around for cheap. The cynical assumption was always that Uber was burning all that investor cash in order to corner the market. Once it killed off car service, taxi cartels, and its ride-hail rivals, the company would stop charging riders less than it was paying drivers and prices would have to go up. On Monday morning, an Uber from Manhattan to JFK Airport was $100, nearly double the fixed yellow cab rate. But good luck finding a yellow cab. The Uber taxicab showdown 
is how most people conceive of Uber's market-swallowing impact, but the decade of cheap rides had more profound effects on how we live and get around. The failure of car-sharing companies like Maven and Car2Go is one example of how all that subsidy distorted the market, quashed business models that might otherwise have thrived, and changed habits that might have otherwise endured. It did this for the good reducing the size of parking lots, suppressing drunken driving, and for the bad, increasing car ownership and traffic congestion. One well-known consequence of the rider subsidy is the decline in public transit. One study estimates the arrival of Uber and Lyft in a city decreases rail ridership by 1.29% and bus ridership by 1.7% each year. In San Francisco, where Uber was founded, the authors estimate Uber has decreased bus ridership by 12.7%. A second study concluded a 5.4% decline in bus ridership in mid-sized cities. A third study clocked the decline at 8.9%. A related Uber phenomenon has been a sizable increase in downtown traffic congestion, end quote. The New York Times has a look at the so-called pimps of OnlyFans, quote, Two years later, Rosero has the OnlyFans operation more or less routinized. When he starts managing a new client, he asks for a bank of nude photos and videos. Rosero's ghostwriters, known in the industry as chatters, will act as the model in private messages with the customers who pay to talk to her. Those chatters work in shifts, responding to incoming messages and reaching out to new subscribers, trying to coax them into buying expensive pay-per-view videos. They tell particular subscribers that a video was recorded just for them. In fact, the same clip might be sold to dozens of people. The chatters earn a small percentage on most sales, and the rest is split between the agency and the model. The subscribers presumably think they're talking directly to the woman in the videos, and it is the job of the chatter to convincingly manifest that illusion. Their clientele, typically horny, lonely men, make it pretty easy. Quote, our best customers come to us not so much to buy content as they come to us just to feel a connection, reads a post on Think Expansion's website. This desire, the post explains, is a pimp's bread and butter, e or otherwise. Hustling simps has been an art since the beginning of time, end quote. Next, I've got a recommendation for a podcast episode from Quanta Magazine, but it's also transcribed in the link in the show notes if you want to read the whole thing. It asks the question, where do space, time, and gravity actually come from? Quote, General relativity and quantum mechanics are the two most successful conceptual breakthroughs of modern physics, but Einstein's description of gravity as a curvature in space-time doesn't easily mesh with a universe made up of quantum wave functions. Recent work that tries to bring those theories together is revealing some mind-bending truths. In this episode, the physicist and author Sean Carroll talks with host Stephen Strogatz about how space and time might be emergent properties of quantum reality, not fundamental parts of it, end quote. And finally, from Vanity Fair, it's not tech, though I could argue that it's about the streaming wars. The cover story from Vanity Fair this month is about where Disney is right now with its whole Star Wars project. TLDR, Star Wars is leaning into TV. In fact, if I'm reading this correctly, there are currently no new Star Wars movies currently in production or even pre-production. Quote, George Lucas himself had attempted and abandoned a live-action Star Wars series called Underworld before he sold Lucasfilm to the Walt Disney Company in 2012. Scripts were written and test footage shot, but the level of quality he was looking for proved to be far too expensive for a TV budget. Then, in 2017, Lucasfilm was tasked with trying again, this time making not one series but a whole fleet to bolster its parent company's streaming ambitions. Disney Plus would need the firepower of many Star Wars shows to compete against rival titans like Netflix and Amazon, 
The Mandalorian, we know now, became a global phenomenon which only raised expectations. This winter, the book of Boba Fett delivered a redemption story nearly four decades after the title character's apparent demise in Return of the Jedi. Now, with 130 million subscribers waiting, Disney has upped its demand to three separate Star Wars shows within a year. For this story, Lucasfilm has lifted the secrecy surrounding its TV universe and how it formed, as universes do, under immense pressure." End quote. So I'm assuming I got this out to you at or around the time of our space with Chris Dixon at noon. Assuming that all went to plan, expect to hear that episode tomorrow. Talk to you on Monday.